Third fingers, you better be paying attention. I know Jesus does. Where's her husband? <laughs> right here. She's like, and she told him to get in the front row. Yes, ma'am. I'm right here. Here I am. You really need to hear this. Oh, man. We had a good time last service. Uh, turnover. Come on. Technology is amazing until it's not. There we go. All right. You just took a picture of you, Jesus. Very good. <laughs> in, in memory of. Hey, as, uh, as Cassandra was saying, I don't know if you caught it, but if you have a phone out and you have version, I really want you to get your phone out and go to version. Go into the more little three lines, more in events. And then as she showed here, Thrive Community Church should be on there. Pull up the notes and then press save. Because you've got a lot of homework to do over the next six months with just this one message. And it may take longer than that, according to the Holy Spirit. But it's not going to happen unless you start to apply these principles and start to practice these things. So it's in version. You can always go and ask one of our staff members how to get there. But version more events, save. Now you've got it in your notes of your version app on your phone. And then you can go back and review throughout the week. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on during this message. The Holy Spirit's going to start bringing up a bunch of things. And I want you to think about a volcano erupting. It's preparing our clay as you're starting to have wet hands and you're starting to massage the clay into form. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit starts to do things. He starts to kind of form things. He's very gentle. He form things out of your soul and really bring it to your mind and your mind's eye, your imagination. He uses your imagination where you can picture things. And then there's going to be a sense of tension. And that tension is always a point where you get to, you're going to choose to actually deal with this with the Holy Spirit, or you're going to fight the tension and hold on to the very thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to separate you from. Uh, let me just tell you, because I know I have practice in this, and it happens to me, <laughs> and it happens to me often. So the choice would be to go ahead and process whatever the pain is, the situation, the scenario, the memory is with the Holy Spirit, and be liberated from it. Just get set free today. Um, we are in our, our last message of this series, Brave Hearts. Every man lives, but not every man is free. Uh, and we want every person to be free, but it does require a brave heart to really work, and work in, work towards, and, and pursue freedom. Because you're going to have to go to some of the most painful experiences of your life. Most painful situations of your, of your life, ever. We talked a lot about uh, soul wound. I'm sorry, we talked about... Uh, strongholds. We talked about strongholds. Defined what a stronghold was. We talked about uh, how uh, a couple of bondage, a couple of um, strongholds that come in through uh, spiritual and create spiritual bondage. One was a spirit of unforgiveness, which has a lot of attributes to it, and a spirit of rejection. And we're all born born rejected because of the fall of man, Adam and Eve being removed from the garden because of their actions. There were they, there's a sense of rejection. And so we come into life, birthed into a sense of rejection no matter what. Some are deeper than others. We might discuss that later. But rejection. And when that happens, there's many attributes. Unless it begins to get healed and resolved with the Lord, knowing that he has accepted us through Jesus Christ. God the Father has accepted us. And we really start to understand and embody what acceptance looks like. Then we walk around with some attributes of rejection. Also... There's areas of our soul that is still, God is still trying to liberate, bring to freedom. 
Uh, and how do we know that? Because our actions and behaviors and probably some of our thought processes don't look like God. Meaning, they don't, they don't, if you were to open up a Bible, the things that you're doing and saying and acting and how you're treating, it is not necessarily biblical because there's a place in your soul that is yet to be liberated. And, and God desires that to be liberated so that we can conform to the image of Christ. These are all God's, this is all God's word. Now, we'll never be perfect, perfect but though we're being perfected. God sees us, God the Father sees us as perfect because of Christ, Christ, his son, and what he's done for us. However, because of the inner working of the Holy Spirit, he is perfecting us until the fullness of the day of redemption, okay? So that's the journey you and I are on as long as we are saved. If you're not saved, then the process is the one to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and truly live out, begin to live out this process of sanctification with the inner working of the Holy Spirit. So I want to show you a couple of clips because we've been playing this movie Braveheart, and then I'm going to kind of build off of those and give you perspective, okay? Good. Just going to do two clips, Yvette. I have a sin to call myself one. Please, Sir William, speak with me alone. I beg you. Now, you've achieved more than anyone ever dreamed, but fighting these odds, it looks like rage. Well beyond rage. Help me. In the name of Christ, help yourselves. Now is our chance. Now. If we join, we can win. If we win, well then we'll have what none of us have ever had before. A country of our own. You're the rightful leader. And there is strength in you, I see it. So one scene you see them uniting, like there's an agreement, there's a common purpose, there's a bond there, they're, they're coming together. William, William Wallace and Robert the Bruce are seeing eye to eye and they have a common goal and it's not about them. 
It's about something that they're passionate about. They both agree upon. There's a, there's a, a deep, intimate trust that's been built on. If you've been here for the previous uh, uh, little clips that we put together from building up to this moment, if you were here last week, you would have seen this. Well, William Wallace is li literally telling Robert the Bruce, if you'll just leave, they will follow you. I will follow you. Comes back to this moment, and, the, and William Wallace is, is encouraging Robert the Bruce, and there's a trust. William, walk, William walks away from that with, there's deep, intimate trust. There's soul trust there. And literally, he shows it by putting his life on the line for this moment to come with Robert the Bruce. And the, the next thing you see is Robert the Bruce had jousted William Wallace off of his horse when William was coming to ki kill the king of England. Undercover, Robert the Bruce was with the king of England, turned around, and that's the picture you see. And William Wallace, he's soulless. He just soul just dropped. Just shocked. And I don't know if you've ever been in that moment before where there's someone that you've loved so much or trusted so much or there's a deep, intimate, soul-level trust and all of a sudden, something happens. There's a turn of events in the relationships. A relationship could even be a misunderstanding. Something happens and then it's all, all of a sudden, it's like, there's no way. There's almost a denial of there's no way this possibly could have happened. There's no way that that was you. There's no way that you did that. Now, you're trying to rationalize and reason to even agree with the actual true scenario because of the deep level trust and the soul level commitment to one another and because of the same common value even or purpose or whatever the depth of the soul level trust is, you're in shock and it feels like your life is just crushed. Anybody ever been, been there? Anybody, anybody ever been Robert the Bruce? Unknowingly, you won't admit it, but you've all been both. You've all been, you're the Robert the Bruce to someone. Like it or not, you can defend your cause all you want, all day long, but you are. And yet you're also William Wallace to someone's Robert the Bruce. Me too, both. And so that causes these deep soul wounds. There's soul ties that have been created. This is what they have. This is what you have. There's soul ties that have been created with people of relationship, with deep intimacy and deep trust, deep, deep trust, and a deep place of, of, of soul uh, companionship. There's depths there. There's things that you're, you're comfortable with someone in such a way that you're not comfortable with anybody else in the world or very few. There's this trust, as in when you're growing up with maybe school, school age friends or high school friends. It's like, you guys just, everybody shares everything and everybody can have everything and everything's just everybody's and it's just, just everything's wide open, no boundaries, just trust in a healthy way. Like, we just love each other. But then something happens. Because we, we have a soul and it's mind, it's three parts. We, have a, we, we are three parts, rather, soul, spirit, and body. A soul is three parts, mind, will, and emotions. Your mind is, here's what I want. Your, your will is, no, sorry, your mind is, here's what I think. Your will is, here's what I want. And your, your body is, here's what I feel. Your emotions, rather, is, here's what I feel. And that's how we're built. That's how we're made up. And there are places in our mind and will and emotions that have become entangled with the world, entangled with lies, entangled, and need, need restoration. And God's grace is big enough to not only forgive us of what we've done, 
but also to heal us of the wounds in our soul of life happenings that have happened to us and through us. This is grace. But it must be appropriated by faith. Meaning, I have to use my will to choose to apply faith and the practices thereof that are according to God's word. You follow? So a soul ties this. It's where we have bonded, attached, and become one with someone, and dare I say something as well. We bonded, attached, and be literally become one. Like we're united. It's like two little pieces of, of paper mache, and you glue them together, and you try to tear them apart. You can't. They're, they're still one. They're still a tether. There's still a tie. Uh, these are not necessarily bad, though, and in fact... In most cases, they can be very life-giving. However, because of the potential, because of the ability of them being life-giving, there's a potential that they begin, these relationships that are life-giving, begin to take a turn and they become more of an idol. An idol, they become a relationship that replaces God. We begin to try to get, get life from a relationship or someone or even a something more than we're getting life from God, and that's when it becomes an unhealthy soul tie. It is my source now. It is where I feed from. It is where I get joy. It is where I get even identity, purpose, and belonging. And we become tethered to others in a very intimate and close relational way. And oftentimes, they also lead to deep levels. Leap deep levels of trust, and when healthy, healthy interdependency, meaning oftentimes uh, they, they lead us, uh, sorry, they, they lead us to a deep levels of trust and healthy interdependency, meaning there's this, there's this back and forth, this healthy back and forth. There's this, I'm good with God and I'm, and I'm whole, but I'm still yet incomplete because I need you. You're really good at these things, and, and I'm not as good. And I need you, and I need, to, I need some trans, transactional uh, relationship. I'm really good at these things, and you need me. There's this health in you're still good with God. Like, you're dependent upon God. I'm dependent upon God for all of my needs. However, there's some needs because we're a part of the body of Christ. We need each other. God has built us in such a way that we are, our souls can get connected to others and should be in a healthy way, actually. The interdependency means I'm here to serve you, I'm generous with it, I'm giving you what you need because you need it, and I, there's also some things that I need, and we can make each other better, healthy. But when it becomes codependent, meaning I have nothing to give to you, I want all everything from you, that's when it becomes toxic. And that has many manifestations, many attributes, it looks different. It could be coming, I'm lording over you, or I'm becoming just sucking life from you. It could be I'm deceiving you to get what I need, I'm manipulating you. It could be that I'm gonna, I'm gonna take things until you come and give me what I need. I'm gonna withdraw things until I get it, or I'm just gonna come and get the things that I need from you because you owe me. It has different attributes, and it starts to get louder and louder, and sometimes it's just really subtle, though. Sometimes it's a very sneaky and subtle, this is what I'm in it for. However, should something be confused or misunderstood and there not be healthy relational discussions, we can lose those valuable relationships that are meant to be healthy and strong and to strengthen us for life. And I want to say also that if we have the inability to be vulnerable with others, we will miss the opportunity to have these God-honoring relationships. 
And even though we're not in communication with people we've had deep, intimate relationships with, we're, no, we're years removed, we're not even in the same side of the globe, we're not even in proximity, guess what? You're still tethered to them in your soul. They're, they're five decades away of life still tethered to them in your soul. There's this deep place of, of wound and hurt and void that's been covered up and patched over and used other things to apply, the, to cover the pain and, and, to, and to, to alleviate the pain, but yet down inside the pain is still that relationship. And everything that a decision that I've made out of and how I'm going to handle relationships going forward and how I'm going to make life decisions is based on the protection that I have for myself because of how I responded in that hurts of that relationship. And I'm not even aware of it because I believe little deceptive lies along the way of, from the accuser who comes in masquerading as the comforter. And I really agree with him because he, he agrees with my hurt in my time of need. Let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit's not going to agree with your hurt. However, we tend to agree with the Holy Spirit, I mean, the, the accuser as the Holy Spirit every time we get hurt. So 1 Samuel, let me give you some, some content biblically. 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4 says, this is just after David had just severed the head, just removed the head of Goliath. Like, he's still holding Goliath's head by the hand, just hanging out. Could you imagine, like... But maybe he had dreadlocks, I don't know, but he's just holding, the, holding these locks. And here's this big old, it must be a massive head, who knows. But he comes up and he's talking to Saul. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself one. There was this deep intimacy. There was this, there's something that you have that I don't have. And I probably never will have, but right now I'm making a commitment to be a part of your life for the benefit or for the relationship or for whatever it is. And I, I really think this relationship started off with pure motives. I think Jonathan started off with honoring the anointing, honoring the ability, the fight, the warrior in David, honoring maybe even the humility, honoring the, the, the desire to be pleasing to God. I think Jonathan saw, you've got something I don't have. I want to honor what you have. And here's what he does next. John, so ta Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. No longer shepherd boy, you're going to be my warrior. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Let me just say that again, the scripture says. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. He literally said, everything, though I have the right to kingship, I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to honor what the position you have with God. I'm going to honor you. I'm giving you all authority, but I'm going to be behind you. He literally makes the gesture of companionship, of deep meaning. I'm giving you my birthright. That's a deep level of companionship. That is soul deep. My mind, will, and emotions are all connected to this. It's deep. It's like a healthy version, if it were a man and woman, a healthy version of a marriage. How me and my wife should be. I'm giving you everything, and I want everything, and nobody belongs to nobody else. All of this belongs to nobody else. All of this belongs to nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> 
in 1 Samuel 19, the next chapter. Now, in the meantime, in one little, little bit of chapter, David does, John, uh, Saul makes David the, the, the commander of his army. And David keeps on defeating enemies and defeating different, different uh, king, kingdoms. And there becomes this song whenever they would come in from war. Saul kills his thousands and David kills his ten thousands. And how many know that's going to make a, jealous, a king jealous? Well, they're not singing a big enough song for me. They're singing a big song for him. So by chapter 19 of 1 Samuel, now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all his servants to put, de put, de put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, Saul my, my, Saul, my father is seeking to put you to death. Now, therefore, please be on guard in the morning and stay in, secret, and stay in the secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand by, beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. If I find out anything, then I will let you know. See, godly soul ties creates loyalty. A sense of allegiance or commitment to one another. Like he's going to cover for him. He wants to protect. He wants to make sure that David's going to be safe. And God has made us in the way that we can be joined to one another. And we should be joined to others. And like any good gift from God though. This beautiful function can be misused to our own detriment. This is why we need to keep God as kingship, as Lord, having lordship over us. An ungodly soul tie is based on lies and deceptions, hurts and wounds. It occurs when the relationship is unhealthy or even sinful. It is motivated and pursued out of personal desire and easily becomes idol worship. Because now I'm getting life from you and no longer from God the Father. And now, if you don't treat me right, I'm mad, and my day's ruined, and my life's ruined, and it's all your fault because I failed to get, God, get life from God the Father. Now, how my existence even fleshes out is dependent on you. That's a deep, ungodly soul tie. 1 Samuel 23, 15, 17 says, While David was at Horish, in the, in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. He, you will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. And my father Saul knows this. In an unhealthy, in a, in, a, in a healthy, returned, unhealthy relationship, at some point, the intentions or suspicions of the relationship begin to change. Intentions or suspicions begin to change. The dynamic can shift from loyal to codependent, from loyal to manipulative. In fact, there are many variations of how these relationships begin to change and manifest and the attributes and how the person begins to live in this relationship. And oftentimes, the original issue is a mother or father wound. And let me just say right here, we fathers play a major role in not only our kids, but the entire next generation. How they 
love, how they live, how they see life in general are largely based on how men, whether you have a child or not, how men lead other people, how men handle situations with children. Can I just say this? For every generation, every generation in this room, every generation that's alive, men have a large role to play in the lives of others. Because we've been given a God-given authority in life, not to lord over, not to dominate, but to lead well. Moms, they hear what mom says, but they see what dad does. They're going to do less of what they hear and a lot more of what they see. And so how we lead, this is why, do you know this? This is why so many are like, "Mm -mm, don't get me in the children's ministry. Mm -mm, I don't want to have anything. That is a a ploy from Satan himself because he doesn't want a bunch of world changers over there changing the next generation. Where's the revival clap on that one right there? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because you might have believed that lie at some point saying that's somebody else's job. Let somebody else do that. No world changer. It's your job. It's my job. It's all of our job to be over there changing the world. Step into a role. Change the world of the people around you. Take the leadership that God has given you. Well, I'm not a leader. Well, God says you are. That's what Moses said, too. It didn't work out for Moses. God just said, no, I'm going to work through you. And I'm telling you, you're not here today without having a calling on your life, and it's got to look like God's path for your life. And I'm also here to tell you that every, th- every time we resist God, there's probably an attribute of a wound and a hurt that is causing you to believe a lie over the voice of the truth. But Jonathan had a major father wound. 1 Samuel 20, 25, 30 He sat in his usual place against the wall with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner beside him. But David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day. For he said to himself, something must have have made David's ceremonial unclean. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, he'd been prepared for this, let me tell you. Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. Like, it's a deep, like, it's so much, they're doing something spiritual. Well, he's not here because he's doing some religious duties. When Saul, when a soul tie begins to turn unhealthy, it starts to involve deception and manipulation. Now, it's one thing to cover for a brother. Or a sister. But when it turns into, I'm deceiving, I'm lying to you to cover the one I'm in soul, I have a soul bondage with, now it's starting to turn ungodly. I have to manipulate you to not be mad. Like I could have found another way to cover, but instead I, I chose to lie and manipulate and deceive. He deceived not only his father, his king. Let me just tell you a little hint in case you don't know this. I'm going to bring some real spiritual help for you. The moment someone starts to lie and deceive others to cover for you, one day they're going to start lying and deceiving and manipulating you. Because it goes unaccounted for. It goes unchecked. It it becomes irresponsible. And in their mind, their soul, they realize, I got away with it here, so I'm going to get away with it there too. And that's when the relationship becomes toxic because, be toxic because now I'm going to start manipulating you to get what I want. And that's what Jonathan was doing with his father. I want to be second. 
So I'm going to lie and deceive and manipulate for David. I'm talking to somebody in here. And here's what I'm telling you. I'm talking to some deep wounds in every person in this room, whether you, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. I'm talking to humanity. And the closer we get to the pain, the deeper it's going to go. And the more it's, God's going to start to saturate. And he's going to start to massage that little thing. And he's trying to work it up for what he wants to deal with today. But don't think just because you found some freedom today that it's all gone. There's going to be some more. But when Jay, he said this. He said, my brother, this is, this is talking about, he's still making up a lot for David. My brother demanded that I be here, so please let me get away to see my brothers. Like, come on, your brothers didn't, they couldn't care about David. They just left him on the, on the side with some sheep and a bear and a lion. And they were even mad when, they came, when, they, when he came to help with Goliath. Oh, he, nah, what are you doing here? Go back home, what? Verse 30, Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore. Now we're at a banquet, a king's banquet, a huge ceremony. This is not just two people in the room. This is not just Abner as well in the room. This is a gang of folks. And in the middle of all of that, father goes to son and says, you stupid son of a whore. He swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? If anybody doesn't know, let me just tell you, that's a father wound. And maybe when your father spoke to you so strongly and said something against you or towards you in such a way where he betrayed the loyalty, the trust, the intimacy with you, guess what entered in? A father wound. Or when your mother said some things that were so sharp and so pointed and so, so hateful and, and destroyed or hurt or injured or wounded the intimacy that you have, the soul intimacy that you have with her, guess what happened? A wound. And then guess what happened? The Satan came in, the accuser coming in, acting like the comforter, masquerading, giving you some advice, which you took, and you began to make life decisions out of afterwards, not healing the wound, but leaving some infection down there to one day come out or one day's come out, and then you found a way to protect yourself by how you react next. Maybe you go outside and play. Maybe you start working harder. Maybe you start working more. Maybe you start uh, drinking, e overeating, indulging. Maybe you're constantly in your social media, something that you can avoid having to deal with the pain of the wound of the past or the present. telling you the Holy Spirit wants to set some people free today we're redeeming the soul the whole purpose of this whole service right here is to start something that's actually cleaning the blood of the body of Christ sure would be sad to know the truth and walk away from the truth for the sake of holding on to old wounds and the unwillingness to have a brave heart and face the pains of the past not knowing what I can do or what God can do that'd be a shame And I actually had a mother wound. When I was 17, my parents weren't married. I, had a step, I have a stepfather today. They were here at the second, first service. I had a stepmother that my dad and I moved into their house, her house with, uh, and, and, and then two brothers, two stepbrothers, and a stepsister. Stepbrother died about two years prior to what I'm about to tell you, and in a car wreck. 
And so I don't have a bedroom. Technically, I have a, I have a, uh, a dining room transitioned over to a bedroom right off the kitchen by the front door, so I hear everything. One day I'm taking a nap, and I hear my stepmother on the phone in the kitchen talking and, and cackling and talking and going back and forth. And then all of a sudden I hear her say something so hurtful and hateful about my mother, it broke my heart. I didn't grow up in a family where we yelled at each other, we talked bad to each other. There was no cussing in the family that I grew up in. My dad wasn't the best dad, husband, but he was an amazing dad. He was a great coach. He was great with all those things. However, later I equated that to be a good dad, you've got to be a good husband too. He just forgot to come home all the time. <laughs> that was it. He just forgot his address. Great coach. Loved me. Had his own hurts. So that, that was the day I decided I'm out of here. Like you just, you just said something so hurtful, so vindictive about my mother who, who I love so much, who's, to my knowledge, have never done anything wrong in her life. And you're supposed to be someone I can trust, I can be safe with, somebody I can have intimate, soul-deep trust and confidence in, and here you are breaking all of that. And so that day, I, I decided I'm, I'm gone. I left. I left the house, and I didn't come back. Lost my virginity that week. I'm going to find something to fill this void. I was trying to figure out how do I deal with this wound. Didn't come home. I told my dad. My dad tried to get me home. I said, listen, I'm not having a conversation. I'm not coming back home until all that stuff gets straightened out. I'm not going to be in that house. Tried to have the conversation. Nothing. It went nowhere. I moved out. 17, still in high school. Went on 10 years of living out of similar wounds. What? What I, what I chose to do and how I chose to begin to respond, then I literally began to reject my family altogether for 10 years. I don't want to have anything to do with any of you. It was very vague in any kind of relationship, and it was only holidays. And if you call, I'm mad. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. In that same year, uh, my, again, my dad was an excellent coach. He was always my coach. And I, would always, had, I always had fatherless boys jealous of me and sometimes even picking on me and I would get into fights in the baseball park because they were jealous of my dad thinking that I had this great home life not knowing what goes on at home so forward my dad is wanting to be my coach for my high school friends because we got a, we have a lot of good players we just didn't have a team if you know what I mean and my dad has an ability to bring people from all over the, the, the uh, Sandlot kids and bring them up and make them excellent. And I rejected him and said, no, I don't want you to be my coach this year because I was humiliated, I was embarrassed, I was too ashamed, I was insecure because I didn't want to be different from everybody else. And so my dad goes and says, okay, if that's what you want. He didn't realize that it wasn't what I wanted, it was just what I was saying. If that's what you want, so I rejected him. And he, again, he already has all his barrel of wounds. And he goes, he, he, he coaches my stepbrother who's younger than me. And that these other Sandlot kids that have never played before, and he took them undefeated. These kids were champions. And I hated it because I was so jealous, but yet I had caused the, the whole issue by rejecting, and yet I took it on as rejection. My, da my dad had just rejected me. You see what Satan does? And it didn't stop. And I'm telling you, for 10 years, this, has been, this was the role. And you know it takes a lot of healing and freedom to realize a lot of the wounds that you, 
that involved other people are really a lot of your own doing. When you can look back on the trail of brokenness and you can realize it really wasn't them. It was my hurts, my wounds, my insecurities, my rejection issues, the lies I believed, the cover-ups that I'd made for myself to self-protect, to keep me from being hurt even more. No one will ever hurt me again. How many know that at that point, women and females weren't my favorite people in the world? Not that most of them had done anything, none of them had done anything wrong with me except for there was this experience. And even with all of these commitments Jonathan made to David, isn't it interesting that three times at least in the Bible when only, only Jonathan knew where David would be hiding from Jonathan's father, all of a sudden Saul would show up exactly where David was. Seems strange. Sounds like Jonathan was playing both sides of the field. Only Jonathan knew where David was going to be, but how so, all of a sudden Saul just shows up right there. Well, there's only one witness. There's only one, the one way that, Jonathan, that, that Saul wouldn't even know about this. And Saul showed up right there. And you'll know there's a soul tie whenever he, become, he comes backstabbing towards someone you cared about. When all of a sudden someone you really cared about and it was just soul knit deep and you trusted and all of a sudden something gets confused in there and the work of the enemy starts to rattle some stuff up and there's some things that have gone undiscussed. There's some things that haven't been communicated because maybe people don't want to communicate real issues and all of a sudden there's backstabbing rather than addressing issues. You'll know if you've ever backstabbed or been backstabbed, there was a soul deep relationship. If instead of coming to you, they go to everybody else to talk about you. Or if instead of going to them, you went around and told everybody about them. There's a soul wound. And it's not even about that relationship as much as it was the old wounds and the old relationships that caused the hurt. Let me give you some types of soul wounds, soul ties. Spiritual spiritual, can be created by an expression of our, our religious beliefs or practices, emotional, any relationship that elicits an emotional response, whether positive or negative, bonds us to another person. There can be a, an emotional, emotional relationship, emotional soul tie, especially in ministry, let me bring this to you, all of a sudden with all good meaning, you're hearing the need and the hurts and the pains of another person and all of a sudden emotions get involved. And you want to so badly help because these gifts start to activate, spirit of mer uh, mercy gift, uh, gift of helps, and I just want to help this individual. Even some pastoral, some pastoral gifting, shepherding starts to emerge outside of you. And guess what? If you're not healed and you still have some bondage in some areas to some old stuff and old soul ties, and you're in that, that moment and you're ministering to someone and they're ministering to you, all of a sudden your emotions start to get tied in. And you didn't even mean for it to happen. And there's a soul tie. 
And you so badly because of these gifts, left, left very, very, very young, very immature, untrained, undertrained, because I won't stay long enough in a relationship or a church to get some training. <laughs> Ploy. Uh, untrained. <laughs> Woo. I won't listen to my senior pastor. And so, it's just coming out. So now there's a soul tie. And now, that person, because of your lack or their lack, and you're that person, you start going to them getting all your needs met, or they start coming to you to get all your needs met. And now, there's an unhealthy soul tie. And now, you've become God to them, and if you don't answer all their questions, they're mad at you, you ruin their day, you're not going to help them in their life, whenever it should have been that God's the one who helps their life, God's the one who helps your life, and no individual will ever be the source, nor the, the life giving enough to, to fulfill what you need from the source, and so it all points to God, but whenever that's not pointing back to God, there's an ungodly soul tie that starts. Let me just tell you, I have people leave this church every month because I won't be their source. And it's the longing and the wound of the individual that thinks that a man or a woman has got to be the source when we're here to lead you to the source. We give you all the evidence, all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the training, all the development, so you can go and find the source. But we'll have some life-giving relationships and have a lot of fun while we're leading you to the source. Mental. Physical bonds that created through sexual intercourse. With whom? With whom can soul ties be? Uh, authority? Could be good or bad. Because again, they can be good or bad. Unhealthy. Could be with employees, employers. Could be healthy. It's very life giving. It's very honest. There's no weird stuff going on. A minister and a congregation member. Could be a commanding officer and, a, and an officer. Could be anybody in a position of authority, a coach and a team member, relationships, entering through relationships. There's vows to one another. There's commitments to one another. There's, there's agreements. So we had an agreement. And yeah, those agreements, whenever lived out together and lived out really well, can start to get deeper and deeper and deeper because the trust level rises, 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 and the openness and the vulnerability gets open and open and open, and all of a sudden there's a deep soul trust, which it should be in a healthy manner. But again, it can include all the ones I said above. It can include a parent and a child, father and a daughter, father and a son, mom and a son, mom and a daughter, where a parent just refuses to let a child grow up because that's where they're getting their, 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 most of their love from. Like you're a 30-year-old son, and yet mama hadn't let you live, let, grow up yet. Mama's boy, you ever heard that? Like, I'm not getting any love from my spouse because I'm not giving any love to my husband, and so I'm going to use you as my source of life to get my love out of this relationship. Hmm. Any... I got to move on. Illicit sex. Scripture clearly says the moment you have sex inside or outside of marriage... The moment you have sex outside of marriage, especially, there's a soul tie, and it's an ungodly soul tie. You're bonded with that person, that soul. Literally says, you know, you want to bind yourself with a prostitute? Guess what? You're going to be stuck to the soul of that prostitute. 
But I'm telling you, God can heal you from those things. And you don't have to live out of the pain and the hurts and the trials, the wounds and the lies and the self-protection, mechanisms. You don't have to live out of that. Soul ties in the Bible, David and Bathsheba, Samson and Delilah. Good Lord, Samson, just get it together. Priest of Eli, or prophet of Eli and his sons. Slave girl in, in the book of Acts. Jonathan and David. David even spoke of, I think this was speaking of, Dave, of, of, of Jonathan in Psalms 55. I'm going to read it really quickly. Psalms 55. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Like, it wasn't even an enemy who came against me. Then I could bear it if it were. Nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me. Like, I would have seen that coming. I'd have been fine with that. I'm used to that. Then I could hide from him. Verse 13. But it was you. It was, it was you. It was your Robert the Bruce, William. It was, it was the one I deep trust with, my companion, my acquaintance. Like we took sweet counsel together. We worshiped together in church. We served together. We did life together. We were in tribe together. Like, you don't understand how much I fought for your life. You've interceded for me. We took sweet counsel. Next one, 14. And walked into the house of God together. Anybody ever done that to you? pain protected has taken you from William Wallace to Robert the Bruce because I won't go there anymore I'm not going to allow myself to be vulnerable like that again I'm not going to allow those trust issues and the pain left unaddressed and left unhealed has created a protective layer layer over similar type relationships either keeping you from endeavoring in them keeping you from being able to take deeper steps of trust with them or causing you to reproduce the same pains in them finding cause in the present which really come from issues in the past Psalms 55 15 16 says let death seize them let them go down alive into hell for wickedness is their dwelling among them. But David says this, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. And when you call upon the Lord, and the Lord shows up, it's going to look like him guiding you back to his written word. It's going to look like him saying, you need to restore, have some sense of conversation in this relationship to restore and reconcile anything that can be healed. It's going to look like you saying, going directly to the source. It's going to look like you going and finding and giving forgiveness. It's not going to look like you just need to divorce them. It's not going to look like you you just need to run. It's not going to look like you need to abandon ship. It's not going to look like you just need to quit talking to them. It's not going to look like you need to quit answering those texts. It's not going to look like you just need to go somewhere else. It's not going to look like you need to leave the church. You're still going to be wherever you go. Amen. 
soul ties and wounds will begin to cause you to live protected and suspicious of others. Suspicious. And where there's suspicion, there begins to have doubt. And when there's doubt, there begins to have angst. And when there's doubt and angst, there begins to have division. And all of it's a work of Satan because there's lies still embedded in the old wounds due to soul ties that have gone from godly to ungodly. And the Holy Spirit has given you the prescription to handle and deal and to heal those things. That's why I gave you homework in the beginning of class today. Let me give you some real quickly how to break these soul ties. It's going to be in your notes on you version. First thing, be honest. When he starts to lead you to this place of pain, mm -mm, don't run from it. Don't start getting on social media. You go into that pain and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to talk to me about this? Yes, I address. That is a pain. That is an issue. Even if you think you were right, you were wrong. You are wrong because it's still there. The pain's still there. There's not been forgiven. They've not repented and received for forgiveness, which is the, sec the second thing. Confess and repent. Third thing, seek godly sorrow. Fourth thing, ask for, ask for and receive forgiveness from God. Fifth thing, extend forgiveness towards yourself and others. Sixth, pray sincerely that the tie would be severed. Seven, pray that the stronghold be removed. Eight, ask the Holy Spirit to purify your desires and cleanse your soul. Finding peace in your soul changes how we respond to life situation, and it increases our potential and readiness to receive the blessings that God already has in our account. And if we're not receiving from God the very things that we, he, we know he has and we desire because he put those desires in our heart, then there's a wound, there's a hurt that we would mess it up if we received it, that he wants to deal with us and take us through. He wants to deal with it with us. God's not holding you back. Nobody's holding you back. There's no person in the world holding you back. You and the wound are holding you back. Only God can fill those gaps of wounds that lead to or come from those unhealthy soul ties. Only God can fill those. But he can't fill those spaces until we process them with him according to his word, his way. I'm going to read a little prayer for you, and there's going to be a blank. And when you see that blank, I want you to put the first name, the first face. Because throughout this message, some names have come up, some faces have come up, especially in the beginning. And then as I begin to talk about all the different life after that first pain, there's a bunch of bobbleheads that came across your timeline of your wounds. And the Holy Spirit wants to deal with every one of those, but maybe not today. But there's one he wants to take you to a place. And once you get there, it's going to start to feel a little pain in your heart, your, heart, your soul. And you're going to be like, I don't want to go there. I've already dealt with that. Mm -mm, not, you have not. If God's taken you there, you have not. And so in the by faith, appropriating your will, let's just say this and say it out loud. But you don't have to say the person's name. They may be in the room. It may be me. Here we go. <laughs> With the power, with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I break my bonding and connection with whatever ungodly soul tie, whatever wound, whatever memory popped up, whatever face. 
and renounce any and all soul ties I have with this person or relationship that are empowered by ungodly forces and unrenewed soul power. I renounce all covenants and agreements I made in this union. I cast down every lofty thought and vain imagination the enemy has used to construct this stronghold in me. I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Can I get a good amen? amen? Come on, let's stand up and find some freedom and love the Lord and learn to love each other deeply.